Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, here's our lead pastor, Matthew Malik. How many of you are ready for the word this morning? Ready for the word. Now, the title for this morning's message for generations is a foundation that lasts. A foundation that lasts. And I also, in parentheses, add to that enduring vision. To have a vision that is long-lasting. To have a vision that is significant, that is given, and there's a long run. There's a long course in fulfilling and carrying it out. We want to turn to our key verse of Scripture in this, and we find it in Psalms 119, verse 89 and 90. Psalms 119, verse 89 and 90. It says, Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. In other words, in the spiritual realm of the heavens, God's fixed his word. It's established. It remains. It's solid. It goes on to say, verse 90, Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth and it stands fast. In other words, what God firmly established or fixed in heaven, he brought forth it into a physical manifestation in what is established in the creation of this earth, this planet, what we see, touch, and feel while we're inhabitants on this planet. And so God's established the earth, and it stands fast. It's here, it has a purpose, and it's enduring. And now you might say, well, Pastor, doesn't the Bible say heaven and earth that pass away? But the word of the Lord abide forever. Yes, the heavens and the earth as we know it will pass away, but the earth remains and abides forever. It's just going to take on a renovation. It's going to come under some reconstruction, and that's future. And we won't get there. If you want to find out about that, uh, come to our uh, small group on Wednesday nights. We're talking about the book of Revelation. We're learning about all that stuff. Okay, another passage in light of this key verse we see in Psalms 104, verse 5. This verse says, He set the earth on its foundations so that it should never be moved. It should never be moved. Now, there's been predictions because of certain things that the earth would have been destroyed by now because of the greenhouse effect and all that thing and uh, climate change, climate warming, whatever you want to call it. Uh, We shouldn't be alive, according to some of those predictions, but guess what? We're still here, and the earth still remains, okay? Now, I believe we need to take care of our planet, okay? We need to do things to reduce emissions and pollution and all that, but the earth will remain, okay? Um, So, according to God's word, Hebrews 1.10, we see a New Testament passage in light of this that Uh, confirms in the mouth of two or more witnesses, the writer of Hebrew states, and you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. Now, we're going to pray in just a minute. But realize that God has an enduring vision for the earth that he created. He created with a lasting foundation. See, mankind, too, is part of that enduring vision that God had for the earth. Because what good would this planet be without any inhabitants? Okay? And so you are part of the enduring vision, the foundation that was established when God put this thing together. He created the earth. See, foundation, let me just give you this. You can write this down if you're taking notes. Foundation determines longevity. Foundation determines longevity with anything. Foundation determines longevity. And and this month, as we cast vision for 2020, God has given us certain directives. And it's my desire, with the help of the Holy Spirit, to communicate them to you, to help to impart and share vision, purpose, and the plans that God has for us as a church, corporately, and also for individual lives, our personal lives. So let's pray. And some of you are thinking about that Packer game. Actually, we went out to eat yesterday. See, I'm I'm taking a little pause break. This is what you call a rabbit trail, a rabbit trail before we pray. We went out to eat, 
Uh, Mackenzie is leaving us uh, this Tuesday. She's going back to Australia, so we won't see her for a a long spell of time. Uh, Probably Thanksgiving, but we we plan to try to get a trip over there to see her. We need to go down under, okay? Um, So we go out to a nice restaurant. We're seated there with our daughter. This is just mommy, daddy, daughter time, okay? Uh, To say our little farewell. And there's a table that's maybe 10 feet from us. And they're in a heated discussion. There's a real strong, passionate Packer fan. There's a real strong, passionate Viking fan. And, and the volume is getting so loud, we couldn't even hear ourselves think. So it was an interesting meal. But we said, well, finally, things toned down. And um, they finished their meal and moved on. So anyway... I don't know why I said that, but <laughs> if you, you might want to pray for the package. I think that's why I said that, okay. okay. Well, let's pray. This is for real now, okay? <laughs> Heavenly Father, we are grateful for this gathering together. Father, we place our trust in you. Father, for you have ordained through the foolishness of preaching to expound your wisdom, to express your heart. And I ask, Father God, that you use me as your servant to communicate truth that can be relevant, that can be relational and impactful in people's lives. I trust that you move through your word today. Father, help us to embrace your vision that you've given us for this new year. Father, the vision that already stands, that's ongoing, Father, with with longevity, that we can continue to move forward in the vision that you've given refuge. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. Amen. Now, this week, we celebrate a big anniversary, at least in regards to this church. On Wednesday, January 22nd, we are celebrating 36 years of ministry as a church. Now, it's been quite a journey. And I want to tell you that I'm grateful to God, to all of you, to all those that have been part of this church over the years, those that have come, moved, and gone on, and those that have stayed, those that have planted themselves. Uh, we've seen you know, people that we've loved you know, move away because of family, because of employment, different things. Uh, there's been a lot of happy times, a lot of heartbreaking times. This journey has been long, but yet it seems like it's gone by quite fast. And since I'm the founding pastor, I was here day one. And there's probably not too many people that were here day one of of our first service on January 22nd, 1984. But for those of us that were, we can say, thank you, God, for what you've done. And to be part of something that God had given as a vision for this community. And the first Sunday, um, that was quite a Sunday. I'm, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I'm going to share a little bit about that a little bit later in this message. But in 2020, I believe that we're going to gain a greater understanding of God's faithfulness. We've seen it throughout the years. We're going to gain a greater understanding of his power and of his love. Now, the first Sunday of this year, we talked about God's faithfulness. God is faithful. And so our intent really for this year is to communicate the faithfulness of God at a whole new level. For you to get a revelation of the God who is faithful to every generation. Because it extends, his faithfulness extends to every generation. Whether you're someone, um, whether you're an infant, (laughs) well, there's no infants in here right now. But whether someone is an infant, a child, a teen, a young adult, a senior citizen, God is faithful to you in whatever generation you're in. And last week we talked about God's limitless power. We serve a limitless God, don't we? See, there's no limit of what God can do. There's no limit of what he can do. But yet we need to cooperate with him because we essentially can limit God. 
God is infinite, we realize. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's all-capable. There are no limits that restrict him. Yet despite this, his followers tend to minimize God's unlimited power in their personal lives because of their wrong thinking. And we saw that in Psalms uh, 78, 41, where God spoke, declaring how the people of God limited the Holy One of Israel because of their unbelief, their complaining, and they limited God. Now, we discover that we have the ability to limit his power from working in our life. But I want you to take the limits off this year, okay? Uh, why? Because he's given us a free will, and you can choose to serve him or not. And it's your free will that determines whether you limit him or not. And unbelief is a factor that can limit God in our lives. And so we want to help you with your unbelief. There's a man that came to Jesus. His son was in great need. He was demon-possessed. And, and he said, Jesus, I brought my, my, my son to your disciples to cast this devil out. And they couldn't. And, and then Jesus talked to the disciples. Why couldn't we do this thing? Because of your unbelief. Your inability to believe that God can deliver this child. And, and so and then there's a, a, this, we also see in the scripture where the man says, help my unbelief. I believe, but help my unbelief. We need help in the areas of unbelief. And a lot of times we just have some doubt. But that's why we get in the word. Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The way to build up your faith is to get into the word of God. Okay. All right. So. Now, next Sunday, I'm giving you a little preview here. We're going to talk about generational impact. Uh, we'll talk about the next generation, okay? It's not the, uh, the TV program either, okay? So foundation is what we're going to focus on today. Realize that foundation always comes first. It's a starting place. It's a beginning. Foundation is something instilled or established in us that's necessary for success. If you're going to be successful, you need a foundation in your life. It's more than just the makeup that women put on their faces, okay? It's so funny. I, I just Googled foundation to see what would pop up on the Internet. And all these makeup companies, just, what's this? I, I was a little bit confused, but then I realized, oh, okay, that's what they call that makeup. It's foundation. And thankfully, women that you put foundation on because that's, that's important, right? Okay. All right. What was that? I mean, I, I don't want to get in trouble here. I don't want to get in trouble here this morning, but foundation is a good thing, okay? <laughs> now, uh, as I have a slide here. Here's a quote by Carlos Wallace. He's an author and speaker. And, and he speaks of foundation in maybe a little different context. So the foundation that my parents and grandparents instilled in me is unyielding, especially the principle that teaches me to keep God first in all that I do. Wow. See, so foundation can be instilled. Foundation can be conveyed and communicated. We can be established in the foundation of truth when we receive the word of God. Now, in light of this message, I want to address three things here this morning, and you can write these down. Uh, my three basic areas of discussion as I share the word. Number one, the word of God. And this all relates to foundation. Number two, prayer. And number three, vision. So we want to address these three things. And so now, and, and I want to talk a little bit about foundation from a natural standpoint. A good foundation may not be visible, but it must be viable. Okay. A good foundation may not be visible, but it must be viable. And the word viable simply means capable of working successfully, okay? If a foundation can be moved, it's a faulty foundation. A foundation must be immovable. For the structure built upon it to stand, it must be immovable. Uh, my oldest brother, Mike, lived in Las Vegas, Nevada. And uh, at that time, he, was, uh, he had an opportunity to realist. He was serving in the Air Force. He worked on F-111s. He worked on the, uh, that stealth bomber, all that stuff. He did all that cool stuff, you know. 
Um, and so at the time he was living in Las Vegas, Nevada, and he felt rather than re-enroll and re-enlist because it was coming up to his end of his uh, uh, listing, and he felt God calling him to come back to central Wisconsin. And for a period of years, he had moved back here, was part of the church, and it helped to build what we have here today. He's the one that led me to Christ, so I owe him my life in that regard. He led me to Jesus to make a personal commitment to him. But he felt God directing him to sell his house. He listed his house. It sold. Two weeks after it sold, there was an explosion at a nearby refinery. And the proximity of that house was affected by that explosion. Not only did it blow out windows in that house, but it shifted the foundation. And it was a faulty foundation. And so my brother, he was thankful. I mean, too bad for the person who bought it. (laughs) But he was thankful that God got him out of that mess. You know, because that would have been quite the how would you sell a house with a faulty foundation that's shifted from where it should be? So sometimes we can have an explosion in our life that can direct, take a direct hit on our foundation. And so, but foundation, and the point is, it should be immovable. The first house that I purchased, it's less than six, it's, not, it's just around the corner, West Wilson, almost a stone's throw away. Um, my, my daughter and son-in-law, they live just only a couple of houses from where that house was. My first home I purchased had a foundation problem. And I noticed when I walked into it with a realtor, the floors were uneven. And I said, okay, this is a little bit uh, funny here. This doesn't feel quite right, you know, kind of. And they said, oh, don't worry. Uh, the foundation was sagging and sinking what you know was didn't have a basement it was just a footing and all that and um but a beam has been put under the house so that it won't get any worse and i'm just calculating well i can redo the floor to level it out and all that which i eventually did but after being in the house for some time i realized it was sinking more the floors were getting more uneven so that was before the day of home inspections those are a good thing so I decided I'm going to crawl under that house and see what's going on. Guess what? There was no support beam under that house that was supposed to extend the length of the house. I called the realtor. She contacted the contractor that was supposed to do it. He never did it. But he was, there were lawsuits against him and said, just wait in line. Um, it turned out that I had to invest in, in hiring a crew to come and jack up the foundation and put a beam under there. So I took care of it. However, that house was finally demolished after I sold it, and then somebody else bought it, they sold it, and then that person decided, let's just tear this thing down. So now there's a vacant lot where that house once was. Why? Because of a poor foundation, a faulty foundation. Okay. Now the last house we built, we built on bedrock. Now that's a good thing. We had to actually use dynamite to dig its foundation. We didn't know that going into the project, but once the excavators started digging with their backhoe, all of a sudden they they hit bedrock. So they came to me with this worried, puzzled look. They said, Pastor, we have a problem. Oh, there's no problem too great for God. So we hit bedrock. Now we have... The only option is to do blasting. We need to use dynamite to blast this. So we hired an explosive company, dynamite company, that came and did some blasting out there. That was a fun thing. Our kids enjoyed that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there was a sign in front of the property, blasting site, beware. You know, so, um, yeah, they were disappointed because they didn't see things blow up like they wanted them to blow up. But we did get a foundation dug, but we had to blast it through dynamite. So our house is built on the bedrock of this earth. So um, as long as this earth remains, we don't have to be concerned about that house having a faulty or failing foundation. Now, I realize there's a parallel in this, in the natural, in our lives when we, when we consider foundation. Because Jesus talked about it. 
Luke chapter 6, verses 47 through 49. Jesus, in his discourse, begins by saying, Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them. So if you come to him, you hear his word and obey them, you respond to them. I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built and built on that rock. Verse 49, now we see the contrast of another building. But the one who hears and does not do them, that is hearing the word of God and doing the word, is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. So it doesn't matter how magnificent the house is you build upon it. If it has a faulty foundation, it will not last. Now, what Jesus is saying here is very important to us because when we hear the word and when we act upon it, that is what establishes a foundation in our life. The word of God becomes a foundation. The word of God is eternal. The word of God will not pass away. So what secures a good future? I believe building your life on a good foundation. The foundation of the word. As well as the foundation of a right relationship with God. The foundation of prayer. The foundation of developing godly character. We could continue to add onto that list. Now we're standing in this church auditorium. While this was being constructed, and they began to, the excavators came out again. They started digging. They came to me. They had that puzzled look on their face. So, Pastor Matt, we have a problem. We've come to discover that this was a landfill, the site that we're on right now. In fact, from this wall to the highway, there was a deep valley. And guess what? Different construction companies found, hey, that's a good site. Let's just fill that in with junk, with rubble, with garbage. So when we started the project, we realized, okay, if we're going to have a good foundation, we can't build on a landfill. So the excavators started digging. And dump trucks were coming in one after the other. They were loading those dump trucks up. Believe it or not, 150 dump truck loads of landfill material was removed. There were car doors there. There were tree stumps. There were all kinds of interesting things in this landfill site. And so, and they were, as they were taking the bad stuff out, they were bringing the good stuff in. But the foundation of this building, you don't see it but yet it supports this building. On that corner, the foundation goes down 16 feet to the footing. In other words, that wall there, that black part, uh, is 16 feet high, but it also goes 16 feet down. On this side, it's, it's a normal level because there's this valley here that was filled up. And realize, and if you add that up, if it's 15 ton per, per dump truck load, that's... 2,250 tons of dirt that had to be excavated and good stuff brought in and compacted for a foundation. But we had to go down to what they call virgin soil or bedrock to put that foundation. We put that foundation. They had some pumps pumping water out of the trench so that the concrete could cure so that they could begin to build a foundation that would endure and this building stands today because there's a solid foundation under it, okay? Now, write this down if you're taking notes. The depth of the foundation determines the height of the structure you can build upon it. 2 Timothy 2.9. I love this passage. It says, but God's firm foundation stands. Bearing this seal, the Lord knows those who are his. Let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. See, we must consider foundations that last. 
Have you considered the foundation of God's word? Make the word of God your foundation. It's eternal. Now let's talk about prayer. We need a foundation of prayer. I believe that prayer is such a basic foundation in a Christian's life. It's a basic foundation in their relationship with God. In fact, prayer is how we communicate with God. It's how we dialogue with him. Tuesday night for intercessory prayer, we encourage you to come Tuesday night from 6 to 7. As I was walking through the sanctuary, as we were praying, the Lord asked me a question. What is a praying church? What does that look like? And then I got a vision of Tuesday night prayer completely packed out with more people that are here right now. And so God gave me a vision. So I envisioned the day when our prayer services will be the most attended service of the week. What could God do with a praying church? <laughs> what could God do with a praying church where it's people gather for corporate prayer? Oh, my. So come out Tuesday night. Check it out. Be part of that vision. Help us to see it fulfilled. Now, I want to take, give you a flashback. A flashback. Before I was ever a pastor, it was in 1982, during a time of prayer and fasting. For then, it was very difficult for me to fast. I was skinny. I weighed about 160 pounds, and I couldn't miss a meal. I ate at least five times a day. And so for, for me to miss not five times, I ate all the time. It's like I had hollow legs. And I can remember the doctor telling me as, when I went for an examination, oh, just wait till you're 30. It'll catch up to you. You won't have any problem putting on weight. I tried all the protein drinks. I tried anything to fatten me up. Everybody tried to fatten me up, but I was still skinny. And the joke was, don't turn sideways, Matt. We, we won't see you, okay? Um, or don't go out. It's too windy out there. You'll get blown away, okay? So people were concerned about how thin I was and skinny. And if you look at some of the early pictures when I first started as a pastor, I was a pretty skinny kid. So uh, now I've kind of got a little pulpit bumper, but that's kind of going away. The, the Daniel Fast is taking care of that, but you know. anyway. So with this flashback in 1982, during the time of prayer and fasting, the Lord began to speak to me about the future ministry that he'd have me involved in. And one of the things he spoke to me was that prayer needed to be in, a, in its proper place. And as long as prayer was in its proper place, there'd never be a lack of people, resources, or the supernatural that God would bring into the ministry that he called me to be part of. And, and so, you know something? God has a way of reminding us of things because somehow we tend to forget those things that God spoke to us in the past. And maybe I forgot that because of the focus of other things. Prayer needs to be a priority. As long as prayer is in its proper place, we're going to see some significant things accomplished in our lives. Amen? So put prayer in its proper place. First place. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. It's having the right priority. Now, a little bit of a historical narrative, and I want to uh, share this uh, in a way as we commemorate our 36th anniversary. Um, it was two ladies praying. The reason this church exists today is there were two ladies praying. Bernice Sikorsky and Dolores Duda. Dolores Duda is still a member of the church. She's still alive. She's, she's getting up there in age, but she's growing uh, old gracefully, and she's a tremendous woman of God. Um, the Bible says in Matthew 18, 19, if two or more agree on earth as touching anything they ask, it shall be done for them by my Father which is in heaven. So these two ladies were in prayer. There had been a church they were a part of that had dissolved, and, and people were scattered, but yet they remained faithful to pray, Lord, raise up a church, raise up a pastor that can lead a flock, that can build a community of faith. And as they were praying, the Lord spoke to Bernice. 
and my face came before her. And she told my mom. And my mom told me. And when my mom told me, I had an issue. I said, why would God tell her and not tell me? Because Stevens, when at the time I was living in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I just graduated from Bible college. I was there working a job, just seeking a direction on, on what I was supposed to do. My heart, I lived in Idaho. My heart was to go out west and pastor a church there. I felt the calling uh, to pastor. I felt the calling to the mission field. And so um, I did not have any desire to come back to central Wisconsin. So I, you know, goodbye point, goodbye Junction City, goodbye farm. But yet, um, God was dealing with my heart. So I can remember talking, I had actually called Bernice. I said, Bernice, my mom tells me that I'm supposed to come back and start a church. I've never done that before. I don't know where to begin. I'm clueless. Um, and she says, yes, I believe God has shown me that you're supposed to come and start a church, and I will support it. And, and I'm, I, I didn't, there was a long pause. I'm just sitting there. How, what do you say to this? And she said, okay, let me tell you. The next time you come home, let me know what the date is, and I will gather people in my home, and I'll give you opportunity. You can just preach to them and let God talk to you. I said, fair enough. So August of 1983, I came home to visit my family. And uh, Bernice had set up a meeting in her home. And there were maybe 25 or 30 people that gathered in that home meeting, that home group. And I ministered the word. Now, I don't remember what I preached, but I remember the faces of the people. And I can remember a conviction that I sensed very strongly that they need a pastor, but I wasn't convinced that I was the guy, okay? I, was, I said, God, they need a pastor. But something happened in that moment as I'm ministering to those people. God gave me a supernatural love for them. And I couldn't ignore that. I couldn't run from that. I went back to Tulsa, and I just sought God. I got on my face before God and said, God, what do you want me to do? And I couldn't get those people out of my like sight. It's like I just saw them and I saw they need a pastor. They need a shepherd after my own heart. And after two weeks, I felt God confirm that I was supposed to come back to Stevens Point and plant a church. And talk about being terrified, scared. I felt the least qualified, the least able to entertain and take on such a task. But it became a point in my life where I had to learn to trust God and obey him and say yes to his will because it wasn't my will. It wasn't what I wanted. It was what he wanted. And the Lord showed me something over the years. He said, one step of obedience leads others to obey. One step of disobedience leads others to disobey. I want to be a person that leads people to obey God, not disobey him. So if I obey God, it sets a path for others to obey him. And I look back now, if I would not have obeyed God, well, we wouldn't have this gathering today. Even though it's 36 years ago, now God may have raised up somebody else, and I may not have been God's first choice. Maybe others rejected the call. But he's, I'm saying, Lord, use me. I'm available. Be careful when you say that. <laughs> I'm serious. You say, Lord, use me. I just want to be used of you. Okay. He'll, he'll jump on that, okay? And so God did. Now, the first service was January 22nd. And one of the things the Lord gave me as far as a, a tagline for the church was a church built upon the word of God in prayer. You know, Saturday night, January 21st. Now, this is another flashback. I just doing the final touches on my message, making sure everything was just right. The title of that message was The Believer's Authority. And um, actually, The Believer's Ministry. I correct myself, The Believer's Ministry. Talking about the ministry of the believer, what we're called to do as, as people that are following Christ. And I can remember, I decided to practice that sermon in the mirror. 
I'm standing before the mirror and preaching to myself, audience of one. You know, Holy Spirit was there too. But, and I got maybe five minutes into the message, and I stopped. And I said, God, I can't do this. I got cold feet. All the plans and preparations were made for the launch of the church the very next morning, and I got cold feet. And I said, God, I can't do this. I'm the wrong person. You've made a mistake, Lord. Why did you call me? And I can, I can remember getting on my face before God. And God, God's presence met me in a very powerful way in that moment. And what I felt the Spirit of God speak to my heart was very strong and direct. And it was, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You just do your part. So with that, the revelation came that Jesus Christ is building this church. It's not built on Matt Malik. It's not built on any one of us. It's built on Jesus. Now, we're a part of it. He uses us as his tools. But Jesus Christ is building refuge. He's building this church, and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Now, that's the foundation. Jesus is the foundation of refuge. Now, one of the things as we beginning a new church, I was seeking God, Lord, what do you want us to do as a church? You know, I don't want to be just like any other church. There's other churches in this community, but what have you called us to do? And the Lord impressed me that we were to be a servant church to this community. And he put upon our hearts to establish a child care center, a Christian school, and serve and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to the community and beyond with missions outreaches, which now we're in other countries. Africa, we have Bible colleges in Ghana, in Italy. Um, and, you know, so God's taken what he started here. He's expanded it globally. And, you know, just in the child care alone, we've served over 3,000 children over the years. I mean, we need to get accurate. That's a very conservative number. But when we think about the families and the children we've served in the school, the child care, you know, we've impacted a generation locally here. Um, and then what God's opened doors for us to do in Africa, which is amazing, the network of churches, the, the Bible colleges, um, people are being trained. We've, we've ordained and licensed approximately 1,000 ministers of the gospel in the nation of Ghana and some in Italy, and some in South Africa. And so it's God just doing some things that I never could have imagined that he would do through this ministry, through this church, and through our lives. Now, we can no longer just maintain, and this is, I'm bringing this to give us some focus here because we want to bring this to close. We can no longer just maintain. We have to be determined to multiply because it's a time for harvest. See, we are to be a prayer-focused people that are moved to action. And that's, prayer will move you to action. We can't just sit around praying all the time. At some point, that prayer will cause passion to rise in you, and you will act, you will do something. You can't sit still. You can't just do nothing. See, I couldn't just do nothing. When, when I sense the call of God in my life, I couldn't ignore that. You know, when I tried, I just, I got miserable and frustrated, and just, you know. Um, but when I answered that call and said, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done, then God began to open things up and open doors and bring people. Now, it, there are biblical examples to being a pro-focused people. We see the day of Pentecost, the outpouring of the Spirit. It was an extended prayer meeting, and God showed up. Another prayer gathering resulted in Peter's deliverance after he was arrested and he was about to be executed. The church woke up after James was arrested and put to death. The king prayed all night and Daniel was delivered from the lion's den. You know, you see examples. Those are just a few in the Bible of, of what a prayer-focused people, what God can do through that. When we have a revelation, I have a slide for this. When we have a revelation of a faithful and limitless God, vision becomes attainable. We need a revelation of a faithful and limitless God. Vision becomes attainable. A vision at refuge 
as something that is intended to get us moving and keep us moving, okay? A vision at Refuge, and we have a slide for this as well. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. This is a place where you can grow while finding authentic hope, purpose, and love through Jesus. And essentially, we take his message of love and hope to our community and beyond. Now, get ready, because I'm going to lay out the vision for 2020. Are you ready for this? For the year 2020, we as a church family, as a body, will invest in generations. And I believe that leadership is already in place for us to build. God has brought a lead team that is capable. And I believe he continues to add to the number of those who serve. Because we need those who serve in order to reach our objective, to invest in generations. We will take steps to begin planning to build the gymnasium, which we need, okay? We want to target debt elimination, amen? We want to get the debt out of the way, but we want to make plans and and begin to set things in motion for building that gymnasium, amen? It's going to be a, 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 it will facilitate the vision and bless people and help us to reach more people. We've targeted the year in gift or the 2020 gift pledge for people, projects, and property. For people, projects, and property. So we want to reduce debt so we can expand. Now, hear this. Our greatest undertaking that will impact people in 2020 is to launch a second service, a second Sunday morning service, which will give us a greater opportunity for reaching people. And so we are working on that. We're, you know, we actually have a consultant coming in this week that will help us navigate through all the dynamics, all the ands, ifs, or buts of launching a second service. But I believe we will do it this year. Amen. And uh, so some of you early birds, you like earlier service? Yeah, okay. How early? Six o'clock? No. <laughs> no. We'll, we'll roll all that out in time, you know, so you, you'll be the, you'll hear it from this pulpit, okay? So, in reaching young families, when we relaunched and changed the name of the church to Refuge, is our desire to reach the young, the college students from the campus, to reach young adults. Because if we're not pouring and investing into the young adults, we're going to miss reaching this generation. And so... And next week, we'll be talking about all the millennials, the Generation X, and all, all those things, all those factors, and see how that all plays into this. So God desires us to impact this generation because he is faithful and limitless in his power to do something significant if we're willing to cooperate with him. So say yes to him. Say yes to him. Psalms thirty three eleven. It says, the plans of the Lord stand firm forever and the purposes of his heart through all generations. See, God's vision always includes people. It really does. God gives vision, but it must be embraced by men. What vision does he have for you? And In fact, we need to have an understanding of vision. Over the years, we've seen God's vision unfold uh, and lives impacted before us. And two verses we'll share with you as we bring this to a close. Habakkuk 2.3 says, For still the vision awaits its appointed time. So there's always aspects of the vision that we're waiting to see fulfilled. Okay? It hastens to the end. It will not die. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. In other words, it's coming. We're going to see vision come to pass. Proverbs 29.18, it's a classic verse of the Bible. I, I love how it renders it in the voice translation. It says, where there is no vision from God. Okay, that's qualified. The vision needs to be from God, okay? Where there is no vision from God, the people run wild. In other words, they're unrestrained. There's nothing to restrain them. Vision has a restraining element in our lives. It keeps us focused on where we are going, okay? It says, but those who adhere to God's instruction no genuine happiness. True fulfillment is only found when we pursue the vision of God for our lives. 
the vision of God corporately as a church family where he's planted us. See, according to the word of God, without a progressive vision, we're going nowhere. We're going everywhere. We're wandering aimlessly, one translation says. I believe that vision empowered by God, by the living God, empowers the church to defeat the enemy and to move forward with faith and unity. Vision unites the church. We can be united under vision. So many churches are in, you know, disunity. There's these people over here complaining about the people over there. And there's all these undercurrents going on. I've talked to pastors who've gone through a bunch of junk. And when it boils right down to it, it's because there's not a clear vision for that congregation. Because vision unites our hearts together so we can accomplish the purpose of God, the greater purpose of God. Vision is always in reference to the future. To have a vision is to have a future. A person without a vision is a person without a future. I believe that a, a vision is clearly, it's a clearly defined blueprint of what God has called us to do. It really is. And vision is essential for us to experience all that God has for us. I believe that without a vision, you really have no clear purpose or directive for your life. A vision is a starting point. It's a course of action. It's a motivation to move forward. It's actually a compass to stay on course. It's a wake-up reminder, and it's a foundation. Vision is a foundation. Understanding the source of vision is the first step in the process of fulfilling it. It really is. The next step is the potential obstacles that stand in the way, because there will be obstacles. There will be hindrances. But when you have a clear vision, you can overcome the obstacles. And one of the biggest obstacles for most ministry is, where are we going to get the money to do what we believe God's called us to do? Well, guess what? That comes through all of us. As God blesses us and enables us to release seed into the work of God to bless the community. Obstacles will always stand in the way of vision. Yet whatever God calls for, he provides for. He will provide it. He will supply it. Now we can realize it's easy to get excited about a vision. But it's harder to be faithful to it. Vision will give you a cause. It will give you a reason. It will give you a purpose for your existence. Let's embrace the vision of God what he has for us. What is God speaking to you through this message this morning? What is he speaking to your life? As we said, every vision starts with the right and the proper foundation. But what about your personal life when we consider eternity? Do you have the right foundation? Is Jesus your foundation? 1 Corinthians 3.11 says, No one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now this is in reference to our salvation, that Jesus is the foundation. There's salvation in no one else but Jesus. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, you know, I don't know that my life is right with God. If you were to die today, are you prepared to meet him? Do you have assurance that you would be welcomed into heaven? Or is there concerns? Have you made your peace with God? If not, I want to extend that opportunity to you this morning. I know we've gone a little longer in this message, but I believe it's important to extend this invitation to you. With every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around, and you say, Pastor, I don't know that my life is right with God, but would you pray for me? I'm willing to surrender my life to Jesus. I'm willing to acknowledge him as my Lord and Savior to receive forgiveness for my sins.
all sinners in need of a Savior. But Jesus alone saves us through the new birth when we're born again, when we receive his life, his nature, we transform. Anyone lift your hand this morning. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm willing to give my heart to Jesus. Maybe you're away from God and you're coming back to him. Can I see that hand? Thank you. Let's stand up together. And we're going to pray what I call a believer's prayer. We're going to pray this prayer together. And all you have to do is repeat after me, but embrace the words from your own heart. Make them meaningful to you. Just don't go through the motions of praying the prayer. Okay? And for all of us that are already believers, it only reinforces what we believe. Let's pray. Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I open my heart to you. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Today I repent to turn from my sin and give my life to you. Jesus, I open my heart to you to receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Come into my heart, into my life to be my Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me, for forgiving me, and making my life what you want it to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you raised your hand, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, we're going to have a prayer team up here in a little bit, make your way to the front as, as we close the service. But I want to pray for you, for vision. Father, I thank you for this body of believers. We thank you for the mission, for the vision of refuge and what you've called us to do individually and as a collective body. Father, as we embrace vision for 2020, help us, Father, to recognize what our part, what our role is and that we would not only be willing to do our part, but we actually would do our part. In Jesus' name, Father, we thank you for the lives that are represented here, that you're doing a work in in these lives to show yourself strong in their behalf. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship him this morning. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.